Hey y'all, I'm Matt. And I'm JB. Welcome to the Catholic AM Podcast. Where we talk with ordinary people about their extraordinary lives. And take a deep dive into all things Catholic. Welcome back to the Catholic AM Podcast. My name is JB and uh, Matt's over there um, somewhere across the way. And um, today we will be talking to uh, one of my good friends, Josh Phillip. Uh, but before that, I want to give a quick shout out to all of our listeners. We've been um, absolutely blessed by all the people that have listened to our podcast across the world, um, obviously in the U.S. and Canada, um, United Kingdom, Australia, Indonesia, New Zealand, the Philippines, Mexico, Poland, Brazil. We just to kind of rattle off a few. We are absolutely thankful and grateful for um, all of your support, your listenership. Um, if you enjoy our podcast, definitely let your friends know. Um, we thank you so much I, from the bottom of our heart. So going back to my good friend, Josh, he is a doctoral student in the counseling psychology program. And um, he currently works with college students. And so today we're going to be talking about mental health. But to go back a little bit, Josh and I um, have known each other for I don't know, probably like 20, 20 something odd years uh, back from elementary school. He was at my uh, like second grade birthday party. We went to high school together, college together. Um, I remember going back to the birthday. I remember that he gave me a, um, a Vegeta um, a toy. And it was probably one of the, like, the coolest things I've ever gotten in my life. Love Dragon Ball Z at the time. And yeah, so like, just to give a little brief summary of like who Josh is as a person. Um, but I'm so excited to talk to um, and talk with Josh now as an adult and as um, this person who like loves mental health. So without further ado, I'm going to let Josh introduce himself. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, JB. I appreciate that. Um, I was just thinking about that example that he just shared of your second grade birthday. And I got a lot of feelings of nostalgia. Just remembering what it was like to be a little kid and just hang out and be carefree and have all this uh, freedom and not knowing what adult life is going to look like. <laughs> just reminiscing about those days. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, yeah, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to talk about mental health. Um, so just a little bit more about me. I know JB mentioned I'm a doctoral student in my, my third year of, of a PhD program studying counseling psychology over at Texas A&M University in College Station. Uh, I also did my undergrad there, majored in, in psychology, and so I figured it would make sense to, to continue to pursue uh, doctoral studies and hopefully become a licensed psychologist and be able to administer mental health treatment uh, to diverse populations. And right now I'm working with college students, as Jamie mentioned, some over at the, the University Counseling Center, and I'll see about five to eight clients a week, five to eight students a week, and we uh, offer short-term therapy over there at the counseling center, and it's been a lot of fun. I've, I've enjoyed it uh, very much. I think 
college is a very transformative um, developmental period in our lives. And, and so it's really cool to get to be rejuvenated by, by working with that population and um, hearing just the, all the different experiences and things that happen you know, during that time in our life. And so it's been really rewarding and challenging at the same time, but um, I really like the work that I do and I'm looking forward to continuing to pursue this, this degree and uh, eventually finish school because I'm ready to graduate. <laughs> yeah, it's been, I don't know. How many, how many years will you be coming up on like <laughs> uh, upper level education? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think I started at AM in, in the fall of 2014. Well, I guess we started at AM in the fall of 2014, yeah. right? Um, and I'll probably finish uh, maybe August of 2023. So uh, about nine years of, um, of higher education. Amazing. Wow. That's a lot of school. It is a lot of school, man, um, for sure. Yeah. So to, to kind of dive right into it, um, like you, like we said, we're going to talk about mental health. Can you give us like a quick little uh, Miriam Webster definition of like what mental health is, what is like the history of it, what's going on, things like that? Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess to start with the history of it, um, for the longest time, you know, mental health really wasn't a thing. Um, it really wasn't until maybe about the 50s or so um, when we saw our, our veterans coming back home from all the different wars fought in the 1900s, World War I, II, uh, that we saw this, this need for um, our emotional, psychological well-being, um, all the different traumatic events that were experienced by soldiers overseas uh, really took a toll. On, on the rest of their lives and, and how they interacted with themselves and how they interacted with other people. Um, and since then, uh, it's really taken a, a turn for the better in terms of uh, what mental health treatment and services look like. And so nowadays, you know, people are not just coming in to deal with, with uh, trauma, right? They're just coming in to deal with all sorts of things. Um, we sort of acknowledge the fact that as humans, we're emotional beings. And we go through a lot of different things in our lives, and uh, that's gradually being more appreciated. Um, to give you a quick sort of definition or, or the way that I understand what mental health is, um, I like to think about it in terms of three sort of broad categories that make up um, our mind and then the way we interact with the world. So I think about it through three lenses. There's our thoughts, our feelings, and our behaviors. And so all three of those are intertwined in some way. Uh, when you think about it, typically we'll have a thought. Um, that thought will cause us to feel a certain way. And then based off of how we feel, we'll act a certain way. Um, so that's kind of a quick snippet version to sort of understand what mental health is and um, how it ultimately impacts our day-to-day -day activities and um, what we engage in. I, I really liked that um, you made it so succinct. I think that there's um, there's a lot of, I guess you could say like stigma, but I guess a lot of like stereotypes or whenever whenever people say mental health, you you know it could go a, a 
an offshoot of different ways. Um, so I like, I like those three of thoughts, feeling, and behaviors all being, all being connected. Not that they're like interchangeable or anything like that, but that they, they influence one another, I guess, um, you could say. Yeah, for sure, Matt. Um, <clears throat> and like, I think it really is as simple as that. And, and I appreciate you saying that a lot of times when people hear the words mental health, they, you know, they run and, and they're like, oh no, what is that? Yeah. Um, you know, the stigma kicks in and they think about the worst possible things and mm-hmm. all these different things that you can be diagnosed with, but really mental health is, it's, it influences everything you do, it impacts everything you do on a day-to-day basis, right? We're thinking, feeling beings. We have a mind for a reason, right? God gave us a mind for a reason to, to use it to our benefit. And so that's what mental health is. It's not necessarily um, trauma or something that's diagnosable or that you need medication for. Right? It can be uh, as simple as, as feeling isolated and lonely, especially like during this time of coronavirus the pandemic. And I'm sure we've all felt that at times. And so it's important to, to view it as a holistic thing and not put it in a box as something that mm-hmm. we need to stigmatize or feel bad about, right? It's something that we all deal with and are affected by. Sure. Do you think that, uh, this made me think of that, um, that, you know, growing up as a kid, I would always remember before, you know, right before the next school year started or whatever, you know, I'd have to go to all the different doctors, make sure I had a physical, make sure I went to the dentist, get the eye doctor, everything like that. You know, it was a part of just like the school routine year after year after year. Do you think that, um, that mental health should be looked at as the same way? Like do these routine checkups, do these, you know, it could be at different levels, like not saying that you have to go in, to see somebody, but just maybe even just self-evaluations, just kind of checkpoints with yourself. So like, Hey, you know, um, not that I like what you said. It's, it's not, um, based out of trauma. Like, obviously if something happens, you know, you know, be sure to find the right resources, but that's not, that shouldn't be like the, the limiting factor though, that, um, kind of makes you not think about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that, I appreciate that question. I think it's a beautiful question. I've actually never thought about mental health in that way, sort of this annual yearly type of checkup. Um, to be honest, I think it's it should be something that we check in with on a daily basis, right? Um, and I think you're right. We don't necessarily need to go to a therapist or mm-hmm. see a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Uh, it can be as simple as, as getting in touch with ourselves. You know, I think... The most important relationship that we have is, is obviously with God. And I think God resides within all of us. You know, Pope Benedict said that um, Jesus is, or heaven is a, is a, is a person, not a place. And, and that person is Christ, mm. right? And he's within uh, every human being. And so essentially one, I think, great way to check in with our mental health is to sort of turn inward. Uh, get in touch with our feelings, get in touch with what, what we're thinking, uh, and essentially have a conversation with God, uh, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, something that I've thought about is, like, I think as, like, as men, a lot of men love to not talk about their feelings or like go internally and sort out through like, oh, like this is joy this is sadness this is 
um, like that spectrum, I think of inside out. It's like, oh, like you could name what each of those things are. Um, can you touch a little bit on that? And Yeah, no, for sure. Um, gosh, it's so difficult um, when we grow up in a world that has a has these societal norms and expectations for guys to sort of um, hold in their emotions right not express them in a free way um i was actually reading something earlier today it was a just a small study and it actually showed that uh, men typically um, actually experience emotions more fully than than women um, they just do a much better job of hiding them. And the way they sort of measured that was uh, physiologically. So they showed um, men, dif- men and women uh, different uh, sort of emotionally uh, stimulating things. So in terms of like uh, maybe someone laughing, someone crying. Um, and so they, they connected uh, these sort of like neurobiological I'm not sure what all the terminology is or what they use, but uh, basically connected those receptors uh, onto different parts of their, their body. And they saw that uh, the physiological response was, was much greater for, for men than women when they, were, when they saw these different um, stimuli. Um, so I thought that was really interesting because we're sort of taught that you know, guys don't really you know, express emotions or, or feel anything, right? They're, they're uh, they're more neutral, um, but I think the reality is they just do a much better job of, of hiding them because that's sort of the societal pressure, uh, the societal norm that's placed on what it means to be a guy, um, which I think is really harmful because I think at the end of the day, um, I was once told a quote, and I think this is really sort of powerful and has a lot of meaning to me personally, uh, but that when we feel is when we heal. Um, and so it's really important, I think, to be attuned to, to the way it is that we're feeling so we can sort of understand ourselves more, have a greater awareness of what these feelings mean for us, um, and then ultimately bring ourselves to a more mentally healthy state. Yeah. How, how would you go about doing that? I think it really kind of turns back to um, turning in inward. Um, and what that means is spending time with yourself. Uh, in today's world, it's so easy to be distracted uh, by the things around us, right? So when we think about social media, uh, the news, politics, uh, you name it, you know, whatever it is, there's, a, there's something to distract you away from yourself. Um, and the way, the, I think one of the reasons we do that as human beings is because it's a lot more challenging. Uh, to just sit with ourselves and to confront ourselves, right? I mean, I don't know if you guys can, can have ever done this or, or thought about this, but um, literally just disconnecting from everything around us, right? Our phones, computer, internet, other people, and just sitting in a room um, just by yourself, you know, meditating, praying, um, whatever it is, but just literally trying to do nothing. Uh, there's a quote, uh, maybe it's French philosopher, his name is Blaise Pascal. He said, all of man's problems arise because of their inability to sit in a room alone. 
And I just think that quote's so profound and, and it can be so applicable to uh, all these things that we distract ourselves with that ultimately leave us feeling um, more suffering, more sorrow. They take us away from what really matters in life. And so I think to answer your question, JB, it's, it's really critical to spend that time alone. And again, to kind of tie it back to something I shared earlier, because um, we never really are alone, right? God's within us. So yeah, when we can get in tune with that um, and abide by that, uh, again, I think we can really make better decisions as a result of it. I think that I, I, I've seen some some little glimpses of that almost a lot of um, in in working in, in parishes and, and um, really on like retreats, right? That um, when, when you get people together and um, especially, you know, a lot of colleges retreats or, you know, even high school retreats would do, do this where, you know, everybody goes on a retreat. You're going to go, you're going to go to a retreat center. Probably uh, a lot of the time it's a place you haven't been on. Cause this might be like your first retreat or something like that. So a location you haven't been around um, at some point, they'll either invite you or they'll just tell you to like give up your phone or whatever like that. And then you have like two and a half days of this disconnection, but in community. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think people kind of have this like mini cleanse of like, oh, you know, like I, I went two and a half days without checking my phone and everything. And I, I kind of felt really good about it. And like, there was this sense of victory. And then you kind of get thrown right back into everything that always distracted you. So like, it's always, um, it, it's always the most challenging thing to, to re-enter the world and kind of remember um, all these things about distractions, but I, I liked what you said. <laughs> it's what you said about being alone, because I remember talking with, talking with some people about it of like why, why that is difficult. Because I think even when I'm, um, when I'm by myself, I'm not sitting alone. I have a countless amount of an endless amount of distractions, so that I'm not really, really like under trying to understand or deepen myself i'm just you know watching tv playing a video game reading a book doing um doing work or whatever even though i'm i'm not with another person um in that sense i'm not even really with myself because i'm kind of i'm just doing something i think that when i was talking with some friends it was that um we were talking about how well we don't want to be with ourselves because we're afraid of what we might find yeah. so like you know, especially as men, right? Like that, that with that same mentality of like, I'm not supposed to feel, or I'm not supposed to talk about my feelings. Um, and I think for a lot of older men that I've seen go on like axe retreats and other like parish types of retreats, Christ renews church retreats that like when they're in their like forties, fifties, even sixties, they go on this retreat. They're given a space to actually express themselves and then they like have this radical transformation, which is wild. They're like, that's probably one of the first instances where they got to a hundred percent vulnerable, even like without their wives or their families in front of them. So they could be as vulnerable as they wanted. Um, and they were never given that for, you know, decades, um, which is kind of wild to think about. You're right. That is. And I think one of the first things that comes to my mind is, um, how that vulnerability can lead to you actually feeling like an authentic human being. Mm. I mean, can you guys imagine just living your whole life 
trying to meet this, this standard of what it means to be a man, right, in today's world, in today's society. Um, but at that point, you know, what, who are you really living for? How are you really living? Are you really living at all? Um, because who's, who's, whose criteria are you trying to meet? You know, and, and that's why it's so critical. Uh, you bring up a great point, like the power of vulnerability, right? Um, showing, showing that emotion and how that can lead you to, to, more, to more of an authentic human experience is the beauty behind that. Yeah. I think what makes it, like culturally, I was on... Um, a kind of a pilgrimage with my parents after graduation. And there was people all around the world. We had people from Australia, um, some people from Europe, the U.S. Um, and at the end of the trip, um, there was this Australian couple who said, I am so surprised that um, you are willing to be so vulnerable in your faith with us because that's not a normal thing especially for a young adult for a man um to go on this trip and to like kind of like pour your tears out during adoration like what and they were just like so surprised by it so yeah i just i think it's wild that it's just not a thing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I think you could even take it to another level as well, just as, as Christians, right? There's sort of this expectation, um, not only as men, but as, as Christian men, that we have to be a certain way. We have to behave a certain way. We have to follow the teachings of the faith, right? Um, we have to live the way that God wants us to and the pressure behind that as well. And not being able to admit that we're human. We make mistakes. Um, we have flaws, we have areas of growth, things that we need to work on, things that we need to overcome, and how uh, sometimes, you know, culturally speaking, um, there can be stigma surrounded in, in admitting those flaws and admitting those areas of growth, and that can be really limiting in our, our ability to actually uh, overcome them and, and deal with them. Um, so just to, just to kind of add another layer to it and, and sort of highlight the complexity um, behind all of this, behind what mental health means, what it means to, to show it and express it, all the different contexts of, of uh, our identity as men, our identity as Christian. Um, it's, a, it's a very multifaceted uh, topic and subject. And we could probably spend hours and hours and days and days just you know, really diving into it. But uh, to bring up something Matt said earlier as well, it's, it's scary, though, because you're not sure what you're going to find. Right? We might be afraid to really delve into that. Um, but I think there's a lot of beauty in what you might find as well, um, mm-hmm. because we are imperfect, right? We're not, we're never going to be perfect beings. There's always going to be areas to work on and grow in. And the sooner we can figure that out, the sooner we can self-reflect, um, the better we can do in the world. Yeah, I, I, I want to... Um connect it to something that we've talked about before, Josh, we've talked about the complexity of, of how much, um, like how much thought you want to give to something. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I can let you expand on it, but this, this idea that you've talked about is like, we want to give energy to like, we can choose what we give energy to. Right. And that may yeah. be betraying this idea. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that's kind of where we're going with the complexity of this thought process sure. that like we can get, we should give complexity to relationships because there's such depth and there's such growth mm-hmm. or we should give complexity um, and understanding to ourselves mm-hmm. because we can go so much further. While sometimes we may like really not think that hard about choosing a sandwich at Subway or something. Sure. But yeah. Sure. Could you, could you talk on that a little bit? Yeah. So to give the listeners some context, um, JB and I have had some discussions about, um, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, just how complex life can be and how everything really does have uh, layers of depth. Um, nothing is really as ever as simple as it seems. Um, when you think about just creation right, and, and God's creation, uh, everything is so intricate. Um, just amazing how all this came to be. And similarly, our human experience is the same way. Um, but our minds are limited. Our ability to fathom and understand just how intricate the human experience truly is, um, is limited. We're, we're not able to do so. So we sort of have to choose. And again, this is just sort of a Joshism. I don't know if anybody <laughs> else is talking about this or if there's any books written on it, but this is just kind of how I view the world and my understanding of life. Um, but there is a lot of mental health uh, tied into this. So when we have, when we make decisions in life and we think about um, our connections, our interactions with people, everything is very complex. But we have the power to decide um, just how in-depth we want to go into something. So for example, if you have uh, a relationship, a friendship or, or a romantic relationship, you know, we can spend a lot of time thinking about the intricacies, the inner workings of that relationship, what makes it function, what makes it work, what makes it not work, what's healthy about it, what's not healthy about it. And you can spend a lot of your mental space and energy thinking about that, or you cannot and just make it more simple in your head if that makes it easier to deal with that connection, to deal with that relationship. So that's just one example of sort of um, how we can, we have that choice, we have that power to sort of give things more depth or uh, to not. And in a way that sort of serves us, it serves our own mental health, our own mental well-being. Um, because sometimes it's better not to make things uh, super complex. Everything, in the, everything at the end of the day, I firmly believe is complex, is very intricate. Um, but in order for us to have our own mental sanity, um, to feel emotionally well, mentally well, spiritually well um, we can have that power in terms of the rabbit hole that we choose to go down the rabbit hole that we don't choose to go down and I know that may sound very abstract um, tried to kind of um, explain it as best as I can but um, it can be a useful way to view life at, at times especially when you're making decisions uh, how much time do you want to spend making this decision how much time do you not on on that topic of complexity and um 
on I guess on on complexity and in spirituality really um at least in in some conversations that I've had with people they they look at their spiritual life as kind of a gauge or a measure of how they are mentally right like you know how their mental health is like I you know I go to I go to mass frequently. I might even go to daily mass. I have all these popular devotions. I've been, um, you know, a faithful parishioner here at this church for X, Y, and Z and everything. My mental health is good. Um, Would you say that's, that's really not the, the ways in which you're talking about, you know, how we should do these self checks on mental health and that like our spiritual health obviously is, is, is of the utmost importance. Right. But, um, and it can it can influence and it can interact with our mental health and vice versa. But one being good does not equate to really the other being on par with it. And like you have to be very aware of both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a great point. I think a lot of times, you know, what? How do we understand our spiritual health? How do we define whether or not our spiritual health is uh, in a good place? Um, who, who gives us that, that metric tool, uh, that measurement tool, right? Um, unfortunately, it's not written down. I mean, I guess to some extent it, you know, um, God tries to show us that through the Bible, you know, uh, through experiencing the faith and the fullness of faith and things like that. Um, but there's no hard and fast, you know, 10, 15 rules to follow to have to make sure you're in a good spiritual place. So, uh, they're very much though connected because a lot of times people might think, you know, because I'm doing X, Y, and Z, I'm going to daily mass, and, uh, I'm going to adoration, I'm going to confession, all those kinds of things. Uh, one might think that they are in a, in a good mental state and good spiritual state, but where's your heart at in all of that? You know, are we just blindly following this because it was what was taught, because it's what our parents did, or uh, is our heart fully invested in it? You know, are we really seeking truth and understanding from God through all of that? That's the biggest part. Because um, there's a lot of people who may be struggling, you know, with, with certain aspects of the faith. Um, just because there's a lack of understanding. Uh, there's a lack of connectivity there. But they could be in a very mental, uh, mentally healthy spot, you know, um, even though they might still be struggling. But they're seeking that truth. Um, so that's kind of where the discrepancy might, might lie. Um, but ultimately, you know, they are very much, very much interwoven with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think ultimately, if you can find out um, how to connect the two, because there's no one right way to do it. There's no perfect way. I'm sure there's wrong way to do it. We don't have to get into all of that. But if you can find uh, that, 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 uh, that way that works for you, uh, that you ultimately can feel the presence of God and, and feel that, it's something that is pleasing to him, um, and you're in a good spot, in a great spot. No, I think that makes sense, and I think that um, uh, I liked how you talked about it being interwoven and it being connected um, in 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 ways that like are are good for it. Because I, you know, I've seen I, I've seen that, and I've heard a lot a lot of things that that kind of try to talk about it, that connection, but in an unhealthy way of like, oh, if you if you're feeling um, if you're not feeling um, mentally well, you just need to pray more. You just need to go back to church. You just need to, which I, I can see the connection that they're trying to make, right? Um, but I, I don't think that they're they're really getting it to, to the point that, that, that you're saying. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's this misconception that uh, being faithful and uh, having a certain level of holiness and spirituality, whatever we want to call it, um, that having that, developing that, cultivating that um, ultimately leads you to not having any sort of um, problems mentally or emotionally, right? Which is totally um, just not the truth, right? I mean, we're, we're human beings. Like a part of life is mental suffering. It's a part of the human experience. Um, you know, even Jesus went through that when he was, when he came down. And um, so this is not, um, I mean, if God went through it, you know, there's no way that, that human beings can avoid that. Um, so it's one thing to have faith and to be hopeful and, and to um, have all those great things, but just because you have those things doesn't mean you still struggle at times. Um, doesn't mean it's hard to hold on to that faith at times. In fact, no, that's totally normal. It, it's totally normal to, to question things, to struggle with things. In fact, um, a lot of times there's a lot of beauty in that, um, especially when you can find ways to persevere and push through that. Uh, then you really know what it was like to kind of be at rock bottom, to kind of feel that sense of helplessness uh, in terms of where am I at in my faith life? Where am I at in my relationship with God? Having those moments, um, sometimes those are the moments where, where we feel God's presence the most. Um, so there's a lot of uh, learning you know, that can occur from that. And, and, uh, so I think it's, it's the opposite of maybe what some people want to say uh, in terms of you have X, Y, and Z, you shouldn't have this. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that you mentioned how like Christ suffered mm -hmm. um, because I think that like we can fall into the, like the mind trap that we think of like Jesus as divine. Like we, we really hone in on his like divine person, but um we should also remember his humanity. We should remember that he sweat blood at the garden. He flipped tables at the temple. He cried when Lazarus died. Like those, those emotions aren't bad. And emotion isn't bad. And um, yeah, I, I think I loved that you mentioned that, that this isn't, this isn't, this isn't something that we can just like avoid. This is, we have to like lean into the struggle, lean into like sometimes our mental disparity. I know like Mother St. Teresa, um, I think Matt called her Mama T. Big Mama Big T. Mama T. Um, how she had spiritual desolation for like 50 years or something like that. And so just like that persevering, that resilience is such a key part to our journey and to like our physical life, our spiritual life. Um, and kind of like the three big circles that you're talking about, like the mental health, the spiritual health and the physical health and how like all of that uh, plays a part in each other. For sure. Um, that perseverance, how and like, how do we even get to a point where we can persevere in order for us to persevere through emotional challenges? We have to be willing to face them, to deal with them. Um, to, and to not avoid them, like you said, JB. There's um, there's a lot of challenges that come up when we try to avoid a full emotional experience. 
Um, and and I, I firmly believe that in order to experience the highs of life, we have to experience the lows of life. Um, and, and what better way to do that than to sort of face our emotions head on, to deal with them, to confront them, uh, just like Christ did. That, that makes sense, especially because when you say that we have to, like, we have to confront our emotions head on, head on it makes me think that um, it's not that you're not going to have these emotions, right, throughout your life. You're going to experience this suffering. You're going to experience this emotion. It's whether or not you allow yourself to be aware of them, to express them, to walk, to like go through them. Um, and I think that's, that's one of the, the biggest keys is that like, if I, like, if I try to push anything down, it's not that I don't have, like, it's not that I'm not, um, it's not that I completely avoided this scenario, this emotion or anything like that. It's just that I've put it off for however long I think I can put it off until eventually somehow it comes out. And maybe for a lot of the time it comes out in a way that, um, probably isn't the best. Right. And then you get into all these other, uh, very complicated, um, thoughts, feelings, and behaviors that, um, if, if you can take just a little bit of time to work through it at the beginning, then maybe it could have been, um, better on the other side. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's the key right there. You know, if, if we're, if we were taught that, you know, while we're growing up, um, more so to accept, um, accept that, that being emotional is okay, um, and having challenging, distressing thoughts is okay, um, then maybe we'd be better equipped, you know, as adults to sort of confront them and deal with them um, more immediately, right, rather than uh, suppressing them and waiting till they, you know, negatively impact uh, our future and our, and our life in general. Uh, so I guess in a, in a sense, if it was more normalized, right, if it was more of an accepted practice um, as we were growing up, um, then maybe, maybe then, uh, you know, there wouldn't be as much need for, for intervention, mental health treatment later on in life. That kind of brings me to the topic of supporting um, those who have you know, mental health concerns, who need mental health treatment, or who seek it out instead of stigmatizing them. Um, I think a lot of times, uh, just culturally speaking, you know, people who grow up in, in different cultural backgrounds, uh, you know, when they consider talking to someone about, about their mental health, it's immediately disregarded. Or, or not allowed, or um, they're even afraid to bring it up to their parents or their peers or their community because um, they're just not sure how it's going to be perceived. They're not sure how other people are going to view them, and they're scared to do it. And ultimately, that has uh, a profound negative impact on their mental health, and it makes things even worse. Right? And they have to bottle them in. They can't even um, be an authentic human again to go back to the concept of, of being authentic and authenticity uh, what it means to have a real human experience and, and so it's uh it's really difficult and, and a lot of people um it's something that they want to do it's something that they want to share and express in terms of their mental health concerns um, but they're impacted by society at large and um, 
that it's it's unfortunate that that's the way things are. But the good news is that you know, especially within the last ten or so years, um, there's been this trend of, of more more support and less stigma for, for those who are seeking out mental health treatment. It's also becoming this thing where it's no longer viewed as I'm coming in because I, I have this specific diagnosis instead of uh, you know me meeting the requirements for, for clinical depression, generalized anxiety disorder. I'm coming in and um, I'm just wanting to talk about this breakup I have or this death in my family or the relationship I have with my dad. You know, whatever it is, it's it's more normalized now. So it's really great and encouraging to see that that trend and that we're moving in the right direction. What um, what would be kind of the hows? We we've talked a lot about um, these these concepts, these great concepts of managing mental health, mental health awareness, um, how. It, mental health kind of impacts everything we do. Um, how do we get through whatever, if it's a mental trauma or if, you, if, if it's even a, a joy in our lives, how do we get through that um, on, on, in a positive way? How do we, what it's like the stages that we should go through or steps, things that we should kind of like put a marker on. It's like, okay, this is, we're able to like comprehend and, and truly authentically experience um, these emotions. Mm. So I think ultimately um, having that relationship with God and with yourself comes first. Um, but that's tricky for a lot of people and it's difficult for a lot of people. And, and when that becomes the case, um, seeking that outside support that external help from, you know, our peers, our friends, our family who are willing to provide it to us. And then if we're not able to seek that out, if we're not able to get that um, in a way that's helpful for us, in a way that's supportive, um, the next step would be to seek our treatment, you know, like literally getting connected with a, with a therapist. Um, if you have insurance or uh, if, you have a, if you're a student, getting connected at the university typically paid for with your student fees and things like that um, but talking to someone someone who's going to provide a non-judgmental listening ear um, someone who's like a third party that you're not directly connected to or see on a daily basis that can be really helpful uh, it can be a lot easier to be vulnerable and share with them what might be going on um, and so yeah I, I definitely want to promote that that idea of if you're not able to really feel like um, you're having an authentic human experience or you're finding it difficult to connect with your emotions or you're having these intrusive thoughts or whatever it might be, you feel like you're uh, behaviorally, you feel like you're struggling, there's a lack of motivation to do X, Y, and Z. If you find themselves in your situations, ultimately you want to turn to God first because he's the ultimate healer. Um, you want to get in touch with how you're feeling. And if it's difficult to understand that, if it's difficult to make sense of that, that's when seeking outside help is the best option, I think. Have there been any, um, I'm trying to think of, of you know, anybody that, that, that might be listening, that if they have um, 
if, if they've been kind of tossing the idea of, oh, you know, maybe I should go see someone, maybe I shouldn't, you know, what would it mean? What would it, it, it has there been anything that you've seen maybe with um, other like students at AM that maybe you've talked to that have helped them? Like um, they're just one step away, but they just need like that little bit of encouragement of, of maybe it's not even just like a, um, don't worry, you won't be judged because, you know, for, you know, they might not be afraid of the experience of being with being with somebody in the office, but they might be afraid of just their other social bubbles and connection and everything and like that level of judgment. But is there any is there anything that you've seen help other people or maybe even helped yourself of just like kind of breaking down the like the interior stigmas that that we have about it? Um, you know, that, that's tough because uh, ultimately uh, you're taking a risk, right, to, to engage in, in this type of work. Um, but I think at the end of the day, um, we can only care so much about what other people think um, or what other people say. We have no control over what others might think about us. And ultimately, this is our life to live. And so if we feel like it's, it's beneficial, it might be beneficial, it might be helpful for us, we have to take that risk and know that there might be some consequences with that. You know, if someone finds out that we're in therapy, they might think a certain thing, but at the end of the day, we don't have any control over that. And if we feel like it might be helpful for us, that's really what matters. Um, when I have a professor in, in, uh, he's, he teaches in my program and he told me that most oftentimes in life, the decisions that we make are a choice between necessary pain and unnecessary pain. Um, but a lot of people want the route of pain versus painlessness, right? They don't want to experience that pain. And so uh, in the context of maybe seeking out treatment, um, we can view it as uh, engaging in necessary pain that is ultimately going to put us in a better psychological state, better uh, mind frame. Uh, it's going to help us understand you know the way we feel on a deeper level um, and that's necessary for us whereas opposed to maybe not seeking out that treatment will be considered engaging in unnecessary pain because we're trying to deal with it on our own we don't have that outside support um, and there's a lot of challenges that come up with that when we don't have the skills internally um, to sort of cope and handle uh, what might be going on for us so that quote's been really powerful for me i think throughout my journey um, and understanding seeking out mental health treatment and not only that but once you're in treatment or just the decisions that you make in life how oftentimes viewing it from that lens um, helps sort of helps you understand that that life is not about um, not experiencing pain um, it might it might just be about experiencing the pain that we need to to ultimately grow and become uh, more spiritual um, healthier uh, human beings yeah, that 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 idea of necessary pain, you know, it 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 brought me back to um, uh, to like the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Jesus not wanting to experience pain because he knows it's gonna be painful, like you. But knowing that this is the ultimate necessary pain to get through it, um, I think that just really highlights that what you were talking about—the connections of of. Um, 
mental health and pain and and the connection to our spirituality they're like yeah they're you know the and kind of you know jb what you were talking about about jesus's divinity we have to remember that in in this in this context of of pursuing holiness ourselves that he really is the best he really is the best um uh the best model for us because we he has um all the experience for it yeah yeah um it's wild that's can't be a saint without experiencing kind of sin you can't be a saint without experience suffering um without experiencing life honestly right so um before we close out, Josh, um, do you have any like on any other final thoughts? Anything you want to provide more color to um, to, to this conversation? Um, and if not, then um, can you kind of provide like some really straight practical examples that um, we like our listeners and us that we can do to better our like mental state or even go about. Um, if, if it comes to it, like seek treatment in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I can think of a couple different examples um, on the side of, of things we can do just personally uh, to put ourselves in, in, in better mental states. And I think the first one um, would be mindfulness. Um, what that is, is, um, remembering that the only moment that's guaranteed in our lives is the present moment. Um, We spend a lot of time thinking about the past, um, using our memory to reflect about the past. And we might spend a lot of time thinking about the future, using our imagination, imagining what the future might look like. Um, But again, it's important to be present to be mindful of, of the current situation, the current circumstances, the current setting that you're in. Because uh, again, that's the only one that's guaranteed. And by doing that, um, we're not lost in our thoughts. We're not lost in the past. We're not lost in the future. And it can essentially help us make better decisions in the present moment. Um, and one way to practice mindfulness is, is meditating. Um, and you can do that in a, in a prayerful way or you can do that just sitting, um, kind of like what we talked about earlier, just uh, spending, you know, whether it's five to 10 minutes a day, um, just reflecting um, or just sitting and not thinking about anything. It can be really difficult when we first start that practice. Um, I heard a, an analogy um, that when we try to meditate, it's sort of like an email inbox. Uh, we have all these different unread messages or messages that we've read uh, briefly, but not fully. And when we sit there and, and, and are not distracted, like we talked about earlier, um, it sort of forces us to go back and read some of those old messages. And that can be scary. That can be daunting. But uh, eventually we get to a point where we sort of process through some of those unread messages or half-read messages, and then we're able to just be. Um, and even when we hear background noise, background chatter from from different messages or uh, whatever it might be, it's it's more faint. It's not as as, uh, 
unbearable. And, and we can sort of, again, reflect on that present moment, use it to, to help make decisions that are going to shape our life in, in a positive way. And so that's one just sort of practical uh, intervention or tool that we can use as individuals um, to kind of bring more of that inner sense of, of peace and, and calmness in our lives. And then another thing, just uh, it might sound kind of silly because it's so obvious, but a lot of people don't think about it this way is, um, when we find ourselves in, in uh, states of or we're experiencing you know, anxiety or stress or symptoms of depression, whatever it might be, um, getting physically active, physically engaged, you know, whether it's walking, um, going for a run, exercising, um, just getting outside, um, experiencing, you know, um, our external environment. Um, it's, it can serve as, as a distraction, but a healthy distraction, something that sort of helps us reorient our mind and prevents us from getting lost in, um, in identifying with our symptoms so much and uh, getting to the point where uh, we're better able to manage them. They're not sort of overtaking our entire lifestyle and um, getting more in tune, getting more connected with uh, that overall human experience that we've sort of been sharing and talking about this whole time. Uh, so those are just a couple practical ways of, of taking care of our mental health. Um, and then again, you know, if you feel like it would be helpful to talk to someone, if you got nothing out of this, uh, this podcast, this particular episode, you know, I hope that you take to heart uh, the examples that we used where Jesus himself, um, and JB and you know, Matt both provided real concrete examples uh, where Jesus himself struggled with his own mental health and dealt with a lot of the things that people deal with when they come into therapy. Um, and so hopefully that you know, normalizes these experiences for all of you who might be struggling out there. And again, there's nothing wrong with seeking out that, that external support in, in the form of mental health treatment. Um, but yeah, I just want to say, you know, thank you all so much for having me on. It's been a, it's been a blessing and a privilege to be able to talk about this stuff. Um, and to spread awareness about mental health and to be able to do it through the lens of, of our faith is really meaningful and really important. Um, so thank you all so much. Yeah. Thanks, Josh, man. It is, uh, it's been an incredible conversation, honestly. Um, and you, you gave some, some just like golden nuggets of, of things to talk about. And, um, I mean, this isn't the first time that, um, that I've had, you know, different conversations and everything about mental health, but it was definitely, definitely a, a very good um, and fruitful one. And I think it's because the nature of these types of conversations is that they have to uh, continuously be talked about, right? This isn't the last time that we're ever going to talk about um, mental health or its relationship to spirituality or to masculinity or anything like that, but that this is just, it's another conversation and then there's going to be more um down the road so yeah thank you for thank you for joining us and we'll keep you in our prayers for the rest of your of your school and your years and everything and you know hopefully you you finish soon finish strong and um you get done with school and and keep on going towards sainthood thank you man i appreciate that all right thanks so much josh thanks man if you like the show and want to hear more conversations, you can follow us on Instagram at Catholic and Podcast. Thanks to Ryan Little for his song, 70s TV. You can find him on SoundCloud linked in the show notes. 
If you know of anyone you'd want to hear us talk to, reach out and let us know. The show has ended. Now go in peace to subscribe and share.